Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. What's up, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you guys are having an amazing and brilliant day so far. I am so excited, grateful, and privileged to be introducing my new friend and this week's Stay Grounded guest, Miss Suzanne Goldstein. So the second I met Suzanne, I, I just fell in love with her. We hopped on a Zoom call together, and like I usually have a very good, I'm very sensitive to people these days. Like I can, I've, I just met so many people over the years, had so many interviews, and I can usually tell within the first five minutes if I'm going to love someone or not. And the second I met Suzanne, it was firecrackers. And to give you some, a little bit of a background on Suzanne before we dive into what we actually cover on the episode, she's a high end coach and a mentor for purpose driven humans who desire to be a force for good in the world. She's been coaching and consulting for over 30 years, been involved in the film industry, to Fortune 100 companies, to startups. And now she has a company called Dare Human, where she helps people crack open their consciousness, fortify their emotional foundation, activate their authentic purpose, and accelerate their ability to get things done while building high-performing and high-impact entrepreneurial ventures. I mean, she is here to help people live lives of fire. And I just was so inspired by this conversation, not because of Suzanne's brilliance, which you're going to experience throughout this entire episode, but she walks the talk. I mean, she talks about how she had the courage to change her life, how she had the courage to really step into her own authenticity, how she had the courage to continue upgrading herself like a software and stepping into more beautiful versions of herself and integrate both the masculine and the feminine within her heart to embody the brilliance that she is. And I think we all have that capacity. We all have that capacity to to let go of what's not so that we can step into what is. And what I love most about this episode is that Suzanne does not hold back on any of the actual tools and processes that she uses and has used over the last 30 years to step into the greatest version of herself. Everything from her Dare Human Diamond to the habit framework that she uses for being more mindful in moments of chaos to her own reflection process uh, where she sets themes to upgrade herself like software on a yearly basis, which was actually really inspiring and a beautiful sort of perspective for me to improve my own reflection process and so much more. I mean, we talk a lot about the power of asking yourself who you want to be and why that's so important. The problem with toxic positivity and the truth about your emotions and how much freedom you can have in letting yourself feel what is and so much more. I mean, this was just such an amazing conversation with such a brilliant human being. And I can't wait for you guys to experience the magic of Suzanne and so much more on this episode. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to us on iTunes or Spotify or any of the podcast apps, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox and you can never miss an episode that we put out. All of our guests are literally, I go out of my way to find brilliant people because Stay Grounded isn't just a place for you guys to learn. It's also a place for myself to learn. And so anybody that I bring on, there are people that I want to learn from, people that I admire uh, or topics that inspire me. So 
by subscribing. All that means is that every single time I find a new person that I'm inspired by, you guys get to listen to their wisdom too. And if anything stands out to you on the episode, reach out to us. I'm always active on Instagram. Uh, so is Suzanne. We'll leave all of her contact information in the show notes. Let us know what stands out to you about the episode or any of the things that we discuss. And I hope you guys are having an amazing middle of the year. I know the world's starting to open up again. And I hope that you guys are leaning into the lessons from COVID and taking everything that happened over the last year as fuel for you experiencing your greatest life to date. So I love you guys. And without further ado, here is the amazing Suzanne Goldstein. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you're all having a brilliant day so far. Hi, Suzanne. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Raj. I'm excited to be here. You know, we were talking about this earlier, but like, I just, you know, when you can just feel someone, you just know that this is going to be a beautiful conversation and the start to an amazing relationship. And so, I, I'm really excited and grateful that I get to dive into the rabbit hole with you and just explore all the things that lead to living a beautiful life. So thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I met you, what, five minutes ago? My cheeks hurt already from smiling. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This is a good sign. We're going back and forth. So I, I want to start, well, start the conversation with an idea that you just actually started exploring with me before we jumped on. And it's the idea around the idea of you versus the true you, mm -hmm. right? And I feel like in my life, I created so much success just from by being motivated by the idea of me. Like, what is Raj supposed to do? What does everyone think Raj is supposed to do? And really almost putting this idea of me on a pedestal instead of creating from my heart and creating from my soul's purpose and my soul's compass. I'd love for you to share sort of your your experience with that and then let the conversation go where it's supposed to. It's a great question. I have like 17 ways I could answer this, but let me start where I think this can be a good jumping off point. There was a point in my life where I had gone through some serious post-traumatic stress. I had some challenges as a kid. I had health challenges. I had a doctor who was supposed to be taking care of me who overdosed me for three months on opioids as a way of controlling me. It was just some bad stuff. And I went into a very deep, dark place. And it was from that place that one day I was walking down the street and I was in Boston at the time. And, and I saw this woman on the other side of the street and she had this long flowing blonde hair and this gorgeous dress on. And she kind of had this jaunty step. And I looked across at her and I was like, God, I want to be her. How come I can't be her? Like she has her stuff together and, and oh my God, like I'm just watching her down the street. And then what I realized after a while was that I had projected myself, the me version of me to the other side of the street and was watching myself walk by. It was me who was that woman I was watching. Uh. And it was at this moment in my life that I realized that I had kind of bifurcated myself. I had called this part of me, me. And this was the woman who was soul and spirit and love and empath and intentional, but because society doesn't understand all that stuff, was hurt, was depressed, was constantly seeking for love and affirmation. And then there was the part of me 
that I called the other Suzanne. And she was a freaking badass. Huge success in business. Huge success as a coaching consultant for the past X number of years. At that point, it was probably like 15, 18. And I was like, whoa, why do I hate her so much? Why do I, me, hate the other Suzanne so much? She represented everything in my life that was masculine energy driven. It was success oriented. It was doing oriented. It wasn't being. It wasn't me. And it wasn't until I learned to actually integrate these two parts of me and realize that they were both amazing and they could heal each other that I became who I am today. And uh, yeah, let's start there. <laughs> well, I, I knew I loved you and now I know why. Like you're just amazing. And I think the combination of the doing and the being, most people get stuck in one or the other. Mm-hmm. They're either doing too much or just focusing, going inward too much. And there's not that beautiful combination of creation with like connection. And I found for myself, I mean, I had a very wounded feminine. My feminine energy was not very present. I wasn't present in my body. And I think I had a lot of fear and I had a lot of fear of being seen a certain way. I mean, I had my own childhood experiences that led me to be who I am. But there was a point where courage was the medicine I needed to sort of break open the door to where Mm -hmm. my own softer flowy side could enter in with the hard charging masculine. Did you have a moment where courage, like what was your moment where everything just broke and then you made the decision to allow that softer Suzanne to enter into the fold? So I think I'm going to answer this question in an unexpected way. I have been doing a thing in my life since I was 27 years old. So now 30 years later. And what I do is I up level myself. I upgrade myself like software. So like you have your phone and your phone says to you, Hey, you need a software update. I do a similar thing with myself. And it started when I was in a place in my life where I started to realize that I could co-create things for myself when they were heading down a path that I thought I was in Hollywood. I was making movies and Everyone around me was full of drama. It was like, you were the best. You were the worst. He was the prettiest. He was the ugliest. She was the this. It was everything in the extremes. And I could see myself. I produced my first Hollywood movie at 27. And I could see myself becoming that kind of person. And I kind of put a stop. And I said, you've got to do and be something different if you don't want to head down that path in life. So I started using something I call themes. And I spell them T-H-E parentheses M-E, the me. Mm. And what I do is I set a theme for every year. And I started off, my first theme ever was to only be dramatic when drama was necessary. Now, I was 27. It wasn't the deepest thing in the world. but It turns out it was the deepest theme in the world. Because what it did is it introduced me to this concept of choice. The concept that at any moment in time when I'm facing someone and something's coming at me that I have an opportunity to either react or respond to, that I could become choiceful. I call that moment the millisecond. And the idea was that at the beginning, I didn't even notice opportunities to choose to respond instead of react. And I had this explosive temper. And what I noticed is over time, I got really expert at expanding the millisecond. It lasted longer. I actually could expand time. 
And in that time, I could actually work out all of the different options that were available to me in that moment and all of a sudden be able to start responding. And, you know, I would say by April of that year, I started noticing things. By August of that year, I started actually making better choices. And by the end of the year, it had become fully integrated into who I am. So when I got to the point many years later where I started to realize that I had bifurcated, even in the presence of all this awareness, I had still, there was a deep inner core, inner being bifurcation. I had to make it a theme to integrate these parts of my life. I had to give myself basically an assignment, something that I could work on for a year and give myself permission that if it wasn't available to me instantaneously, that was okay because I had 12 months to actually work through it. So I actually am currently at Suzanne version 17.0. I upgrade (laughs) all the time. I just had a huge upgrade. Some amazing things happen. And I was like, that needs to be codified in an upgrade. And this way I can keep track of my progress through life in a way that I don't have to remember, oh, that was the thing that happened when the thing happened. It could be, oh, this was Suzanne 16.3. And I have a note of what that meant. And so this is how I've built my life and who I am now. I love that. I know as somebody who has a very thought out reflection process myself, like I, I have a yearly reflection, a monthly reflection, a, a weekly reflection, even a daily. I mean, I, I am always paying attention and I'm always fascinated with how fast you can upgrade when you're paying attention. And I, I'm curious for you, like, how do you know what theme to choose for your year? Where does the wisdom come from for you to know like, hey, this is the medicine for the year. This is the, the overall container that I want to create for myself as I grow. Like, how do, you, how do you choose? So I usually sit with myself between Christmas and New Year's. This period of time is very sacred to me. I don't party. I don't go out. I actually, on New Year's Eve, watch all of the Matrix trilogy in a row. I take notes. <laughs> Um, Every year. And I can't wait till the fourth one comes out because to me, this is how we explore consciousness and we go deeper and deeper. So I spend that time kind of reflecting on the year that had just passed, what I had grown into. And I look at my fears. I look at blocks. I look at what's bothering me. I look at like, is there something that tweaks me? Is there some place that I'm being activated in a negative way in my life when I see a certain thing kind of happen over and over again. And so I create a theme for the year. So my theme this year is to live with my soul on fire. Uh, And every single day, if I wake up and and I'm in a not great mood, I remind myself my theme is to be with my soul on fire. And so I put on Bill Withers' lovely day. I dance around the house until I'm an idiot. And then I remember that my soul's on fire and I become that for myself. So I came up with that theme Because my theme the year before was to play a bigger game. And during the pandemic, I had a parent who had cancer. And I went back to Boston and cared for my parent for a year. But during that time, because my theme was to play a bigger game, I launched my new business. I was like, I'm not going to just be a caregiver, which I could have... If my theme was self-care that year... I wouldn't have launched a business, but my theme was to play a bigger game. So it allows me to take whatever circumstances are going on in my life and elevate above it. And so I really think about this and I think about, I feel into it more than anything. I don't even think it's a thought process. I think it's a feel process. Yeah. You're feeling into who you are. 
it's like the magnificence that already exists in your heart, in your soul. You feel into it and then you allow that to be the aspirational roadmap that inspires a set of actions, a set of choices, a set of commitments, the courage, whatever feeling states you want to then embody as you create your dream life. And I think that most people don't even realize how powerful intentions are. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, an intention is like an anchor. Like we talked about the masculine and the feminine. I've always f- felt like the feminine is sort of like the, like life. It's just chaos. It's everything. It's, it's yeah. just, and then the masculine is order. And the most beautiful way that you can lean into the masculine is by setting an intention. It's by setting a container. And then from there, sort of leaning into life and taking all of the experiences, whether it's a loved one getting into a, into a, a, a an illness or it's a, it's a pandemic coming and sweeping the rug out from underneath your feet. It's like all these things can happen, but when you have an intention of how you want to show up, which is more important than what you want to do, it's how you want to show up. And it's this being aspect more than the doing, you create this opportunity to rise. Yeah. I always say that it's not about what you do. It's about who you are when you do it. Mm. And the thing is, I never ask anybody, what do they want to do? I always ask them, who do you want to be? because when you ask someone who they want to be it, this is where the growth happens. Like if you want to be a person who is kind, let's just, that's a base one, right? It colors every interaction you have in your life because you're never going to be angry at someone when you're driving and they cut you off and you're not going to be mean to waiters and you're not going to do all of the things that many people do when they're frustrated in their own life. And they take it out on other people. But when you set an intention for yourself and a a theme, as I call them, things change. So it's funny right now I have a a membership and it's called theme of the month club. And I, I actually just show you one. Let me see if I can pull it up Uh, for the people in my community. I set a theme for them for the whole month to show them how they have the ability to upgrade their life. So the first theme, because a lot of people were new to this work, was the choice is mine. And I use movies, I use quotes, I use in, um, practices and journaling prompts once a week through the month to help them go deeper and deeper and deeper into the theme. And at the end of a month, 30 days later, they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that the choice was mine, but now I see it everywhere. And so then the theme after that was, there are no shoulds. Now for people who are not used to this work, even if you are in this work and you're shooting yourself to death, you start to realize shoulds are about choice, Mm. right? And so all of this stuff is interrelated as we grow. It's a constant layering of all of the beauty we choose to layer as we pull out all of the blockages and all the coding that has been laid on us. Because I always like to say, we're born absolutely perfect. Yeah. And then all of the societal coding, the familial coding, the ancestral coding, all of it just gets laid on us. And that's who we think we are. But it's not true. I love, I just love that. The monthly theme that inspires a set of actions, a set of choices. And it's like you're, you're, you're giving bite size opportunities for someone to see how amazing they are. Like, I think changing your life is like the concept of changing your life is pretty grandiose and it's huge, but making choices in the moment is, is a lot simpler. Yeah. You can break it down to bite-sized pieces, right? The choice to just 
you know, you said this earlier, like it's, it's entering into choice, right. And, and going out of that unconscious thought pattern, being in those sort of like just the, the day-to-day of life unconsciously and bringing in intention, bringing in conscious choice and bringing in your own agency and power as a conscious creator. Are there tools or practices or, or methodologies that you've leaned into to sort of unravel those societal conditionings and codings that have allowed you to sort of continue rising um, to the most bright, beautiful, sort of vibrant version of yourself? Well, I'm a constant work in progress, like we all are. <laughs> my theme this month is about actually getting my human and my soul to fall in love. Because my soul knows so much and my human wants to fight every step of the way. And so I'm an engineer by training. I'm a big fan of frameworks. I'm a big fan of giving people visual tools, um, mnemonic tools, frameworks that they can hang things on. For instance, I have a thing called the habit framework, which is how do you take yourself through something that's freaking you out? Mm. So come up with something that's freaking you out or could freak you, but you're probably at the place where it doesn't, but if something were to freak you out, I don't know, one of our business accounts getting shut down. That's actually a truth one. So that's actually not, let me go in a different direction. <laughs> Sorry, I broke the game. That's okay. I'm bad this game. <laughs> that's like I said, you might not have one. You might not have one. So a lot of people come to me and they're like, my child hates me. Okay. Okay. And I say to them, honor how your brain works. Your brain is programmed. The H is honor how your brain works. Your brain is programmed for fight, flight, or freeze. We need to understand how the instinctual lizard brain is asking us to behave because that's how we're built. But the thing is, when you start to realize that we have higher order thinking, that the cerebral cortex is there to allow us to have higher level thinking and language honor how our brain works. Am I reacting to something because my lizard brain is telling me so it's driving the bus. And once you understand how your brain works, the next part in the habit framework is ask, is it true? This is work from Byron Katie, Tony Robbins does it. I've been doing it. You ask, is it true? Is this something, if you stepped into a court of law, you could prove that your daughter hates you. If you ask if it's true and you go, actually, no, it can't be true. I can't prove it in a court of law. Then you get to start B, become choiceful. And once you start to understand, it's a feeling, right? If it's not true, it's a feeling. And once you understand it's a feeling, you can become choiceful. Mm. And so the habit framework goes like this. The I is imagine a better thought. And then the T is trade a bad feeling for a good feeling. And so I use these frameworks to show people how they have gotten themselves in a tizzy about something and they can actually walk their way out of the tizzy. One of the most powerful realizations I've had on my own journey is that your feelings are actually an internal experience. Although they might be sparked by an external thing, like my child hates me or this thing went wrong or I'm losing this thing. Like like another thing externally can spark the feeling but the experience is actually in your body. It's somatically happening inside of you. And when you can, and I love how you're teaching people to create that space to realize that you're almost like creating the space in thought. And then you're allowing them to bring space into the feeling, which then creates the opportunity to choose differently. And when I say to people, the tea is trade bad for good. They're like, I can't trade my feelings. I feel what I feel. Except for you can. 
especially yeah. once you understand it's a feeling. So talk me through that. How do you sort of like, is there like a, an anchor or a practice you do to change the feeling? Like, do you go practice gratitude or do you like, is there like a, like a tool or something that you think could be useful for anyone listening that can at will, when they feel like they have a bad feeling, like how do they turn that into something, something else? Yeah. So, I mean, the habit framework is the thing I developed because I use it. And so first I say, okay, this is my brain freaking out on how my brain works. Ask myself, is it true? And if it's not true, it's just a feeling. If it's a feeling, I can become choiceful about my feelings. One of the things I like to use is um, the Abraham Hicks emotional guidance scale, which is this really cool 22 level vibrational energy of feeling scale. I think I've seen that. Yeah, I think I've seen it. I didn't know it was called that, but I think I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. So it's called the Abraham Hicks. There are many guidance scales, but this is the Abraham Hicks one is the one I use. So at the bottom of this level 22 is these low, slow energies like grief, hopelessness, and they're very low and slow. And at the top is like joy, positive expectations. If you start to understand that I can become choiceful, And then I can literally imagine a better thought. Oh, my daughter's not angry at me. She's a teenager and she's angry at life. That's her Mm. job right now. Then I can trade the bad feeling. Oh, I'm scared. I'm frustrated. I'm angry that my daughter's mad at me. And I can trade it for compassion. I can trade it for, right? So you can take yourself through this process and rearrange it externally to internally and then internally to externally. That's brilliant. I love the, you're, you're actually just consciously writing a new story. Exactly right. And you're allowing the possibility of what if and curiosity to be sort of like the thread that empowers infinite levels of like, you could literally create anything. It's amazing. And so the way that I teach, because I was trained as an engineer, very much about problem solving, but I was also trained in theater and film. I bring like this emotional storytelling aspect to problem solving. And so I have frameworks for so many things and it turns out it helps people. It's my particular version of coaching magic. And there are a lot of people who don't do that. And that's cool because there are people who resonate with the way I do it. And there are people who resonate with the way other people do it. And that's the beauty of life. Yeah. What inspires you? I am inspired every single day to try to elevate humanity. I feel like we have been given an incredible opportunity when we incarnate into this lifetime. It's like Michael Bernard Beckwith, who is one of my spiritual gurus, talks about our human existence being a parenthesis in time, that we're this soul that is journeying through eternity And that that we have this parentheses in time where we incarnate into this human form. And I feel like we get it wrong so much of the time. We as a humanity, not necessarily any one individual. And so I feel like if I can show people how to vibrate at a higher level of energy, that we can counteract the low, slow, negative vibrational energy of many more people. This is something that David Hawkins talks about in his book, Power Versus Force. So I'm inspired by that every single day. Mm. You know, one of the things I've been really leaning into recently is just the idea of, of being a ripple. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm so inspired to do so much work on myself because I, I realize like purpose is not what you do. It's who you are. 
when you can vibrate at that level that's high, it doesn't matter if it's a conversation with a loved one, it could be a project you're putting out into the world, it could be a circumstance that just showed up in front of you and you're required to be present for. I mean, when when you're vibrating at a higher level, everything you do ends up feeling your magic. It ends up feeling your heart. It ends up feeling that energetic imprint, which then creates its own ripple. I love that idea. And, you know, it just made me think of something. I was at an event many, many years ago where Tom Cruise was there. And whether you like Tom Cruise or don't like Tom Cruise, doesn't matter to this story. The man glows. It was like moths to a flame. Not that people wanted to be around him because he's famous, but because he literally glows. He has this vibrational energy that is off the chain. And I remember at the time, that time in my life, I was young and I did not have any of the power that I have now and any of the energy I have now, any of the vibration I have now. And what I want to say to every person listening to this is that that it factor is available to you. Yes. It is a choice to constantly elevate. It's why my theme this year is to live with my soul on fire. And I actually started a year-long container to take women on this journey with me. Because if you choose to live with your soul on fire, the it factor happens. You become a vibrational center for other people to calibrate. And you become a portal where other people can find what's possible for them. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just thinking about, you know, different people in my life and, and that radiance that shows up when you're glowing from the inside out, right? Like there's just a radiance. That's the, that's the best. I think that's the best word I've been able to really find. It's, it's not, uh, it's not attractiveness. It's just this glowing radiance that emanates from like purity and love. And, and, and I think that's, you know, we were talking about earlier, like I can, I've been now becoming, I've been doing a lot of work to just unravel my own unconscious blocks and fears and, and limitations. And as I do that, I've become more sensitive to feeling and energy. And when you get out of your head and you get into your heart, you can actually feel people. You can feel nature. You can feel connected. And I think that connection is what fuels that vibrance that connection, that idea that you are not alone, you are actually connected to everything and that trust and faith in the divine and the universe. And I think that it takes courage. We, I'd love to come back to courage because I think that the courage to do the work, the courage to change your life, the courage to make a conscious choice that may be against the grain, that's difficult. How do you inspire courage in others and anybody listening, how can they lean into their own courage, like in their own heart to begin the journey or go deeper into the journey of of just conscious creation? So courage is an inside game because what I recognize is that when your passion is so strong, I always say my courage is always bigger than my fear. My desire is always bigger than my fear. And it's not that I don't have fear. I fear all the time. It's that I choose to befriend my fear and walk with it, to learn from it, to have it show me my weaknesses, my strengths, to test me, to encourage me, and to try to stop me. And that's my relationship to fear. 
Mm. And I think of fear and courage as hand in hand, because, you know, without fear, we would not need to know what courage was. And so to me, courage is this ability to keep walking, to keep stepping, to know that you don't have to know the next 150 steps. You need to know one. So most people, when they're afraid, they get frozen because they don't know what to do with the how. They're like, how do I get there? How do I become that? How do I become the person I want to be? And I cannot see all the way to the end of the the road. So they don't start at all. And so what I try to coach people is that you just need to take one step. It might not even be the right one step, but you're moving. And that is how we actually start to present in a courageous way. Is that that one step first? I love that. And I'm just reminded that on the other side of fear is the medicine your your soul needs. Like, like I love uh, Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art. He talks about fear being the North Star. Mm-hmm. And if you can lean into your fears and just trust that on the other side of fear is this beautiful lush green grass, there's this beautiful medicine in like calming your nervous system. Like it's like this, it's it's the medicine your soul craves because your soul is boundless. It has no fear. It is just limitless, expands in every direction. It's that voice that's on fire that doesn't care about the constructs of your life, that doesn't care. It's just there and it's always there. And whether you live that today in your life or not, it will reincarnate in another body and continue living and expressing and being that just that soul. And so when you can lean into fear you're actually leaning into your soul's calling. Like it is showing you the path that this is where all of your life force exists. This is the work that your your ancestors would actually be proud of you doing and taking. Even if you don't have anybody in your immediate circle that'll cheer you on, there's there's a bigger game that your soul is playing. And I and I and I just feel that in in the steps you can take to just feel the medicine of fear. So I'm going to share something I wasn't intending on sharing, but I think it's totally appropriate here. So I'm teaching a program this week called Mission Possible. And I've been really, it's all about discovering the courage to do what you were meant to do in the world. And the thing is, when you find what you were meant to do, I call this understanding the in the place where your passion, your interest, your skills, and your purpose intersect. I call it your doingness or your sweet spot. When you're actually living in that space, you get this regenerative battery in your heart. It's Mm -hmm. like, I call it extra heartbeats. You're meant to live to 85. You're going to live to 105 because living in your purpose, on purpose, in that direction, what I call your true north, you have so much energy. But the thing is, people are afraid to take that step. So I created this masterclass to help people understand this courage piece. So I know this probably isn't going to come out before the end of this week. So that makes me happy. Here's what happens. If you've ever watched the movie, The Right Stuff, or know the story of breaking the sound barrier, this was something that people truly believed was impossible to go past a certain speed in an airplane to cross into the sound barrier. And people tried over and over again, and airplanes would break apart or the pilot themselves would freak out because the plane got really unsteady and the gauges started doing this and they couldn't tell where they were. And 
And it was really difficult. And then Chuck Yeager comes along, 1947, and Chuck Yeager gets into it. And he's like, I'm going to break the sound barrier. Of course, I'm going to break the sound barrier. Gets into his plane, gets up to a certain speed, and it plane starts freaking out. He's like, yeah, there's a lot of motion here. And he just decided to punch through it. And on the other side, he says that flying past the sound barrier is like as soft and smooth as a baby's bottom. Because it is once you break through that on the other side of your fear is this everything you desire. Yeah. So I was thinking about this and I was thinking about this program I was putting together and I was like, you know, the sound barrier is the same thing as the fear barrier. So when sound travels, it travels and propagates in 360 degrees around you in these concentric circles. When you're flying fast, you are compressing the sound waves, which is what causes the friction in the plane. And so you're coming up against it and the world suddenly feels full of friction. But once you punch through that friction on the other side of smooth sailing, well, the same exact thing is true of fear. As we start walking towards something that we want, but we're afraid, the fear builds on it. It compounds. We have more fear on top of our fear. And it's the whole idea that we have to bust through it to realize how simple life is. We talked about courage, but I think trust is a big part of it too. The having the trust to know that if I just do that, I will be either safe. I will be taken care of. Like I, it's, it's like this trust, not in just the divine and the universe having your back, but it's also this implicit trust in self. And I've realized like for me, you know, when I think about all the things I have in my life, the things that I am just things I love most about my life are things that I didn't even know I wanted. And those were all on the other side of trusting that this thing is going to lead me to something that I'm going to love about my life. Like, I don't know why yet. I don't know how, but I'm trusting. How do you cultivate trust in the unknown and the uncertainty? Like, how do you cultivate that trust when you jump on the other side of fear? Mm. To me, trust, faith, belief, and even courage are very similar because they are making a connection to something that is unprovable. And humans constantly seek evidence. We, we look for evidence. In fact, you know, if you're building a business, you look for evidence that it's working. So many people bought it. And when that many people don't buy it again, we feel like there's evidence that we're failing. I think that belief and trust and faith and ultimately courage come from understanding that when we move first, the universe actually follows. When we actually are moving without evidence, that the universe is like, oh, that's the direction she wants to go? Okay, let's go there. I call it playing volleyball with the universe. So I play volleyball with the universe and I teach all of my clients how to do this. So the idea is this, you've got a volleyball and the volleyball looks, feels, and smells a certain way and you throw it up the universe and the universe grabs the volleyball and looks at it and mirrors it and goes, okay, throw it back down. So if you throw up this glittery, shiny, gorgeous, happy volleyball, throw it up to the universe and the universe looks like, oh, this is happy, gorgeous, fun, sparkly. I'm going to throw it back down. And you get back from the universe some beautiful, sparkly stuff. But if you throw up a ball 
that is sad and depressed and full of shit. <laughs> you throw up the universe and the universe is like, oh, big shitty ball. Vroom. And it throws it back down to you and you get it covered with shit. And this is like the whole idea that who we are and what we're giving out is exactly what we get back. And we have to be very careful what volleyball we're throwing up to the universe. And we have complete choice and control over that. I think that's why gratitude for me has always been such a powerful practice because mm-hmm. I'm like, like, if you're not grateful for what you have, you can't be grateful for what you're going to get. So like, it's this catch 22. Like if you, if you're creating, like practicing, that's being in that state of like constantly appreciating anything that comes back from the universe allows you to continue putting back what you want. And I was laughing because you, you call it volleyball with the universe. I call it dancing with the universe. So like, I, I like to think of the universe as a, as a woman, I just like to think of like me taking the lead mm-hmm. and my role in the dance and, and then her sort of responding to my lead and going back to the kind of the masculine and the feminine, like the masculine is the order, the intention and the feminine is like life. It's everything. It's like the masculine is the banks of the river and then the feminine is the water itself. It'll flow, but you have to give it direction. And that direction happens and you're right. Like it's the energy of the direction. It's the energy of the intention. It's the energy that you're constantly putting out, whether you're conscious of it or not. And are there practices that you sort of embody daily or practice daily that allow you to sort of keep that vibrational state high? I know you said that you love to dance when your soul's not on fire, but like besides that, like are there other things that you commit to daily that allow you to sort of keep that like when you're throwing the volleyball up, you're sending up the the most loving version of it that you can muster in the moment. I don't have specific daily practices. I do different things every day. There are voices that help me get back in. Wayne Dyer's voice, just listening to his voice, doesn't matter what he says, his voice brings me back into the channel. Dancing brings me, elevates my energy. I deal with chronic pain. So some days I wake up and I'm in so much pain And all I have to do is remind myself that my energy is actually way higher than my pain and I can get back into it. So I am just acutely aware of what is going on inside of me. And I just want to mention something because this is might sound a little bit controversial, but I totally believe in like positive vibes and high vibes and all that stuff. I also don't believe in toxic uh, positivity. 100%. Because feelings are feelings. Like when I'm in pain, I'm legit in pain. And people can say, oh, your pain is manifestation of your emotions and your feelings and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but it's my pain. It's real for me right now. So I think you got to feel your feelings. I am so glad you brought that up uh, because anybody listening, I want you to really know that, you know, we're human beings and we live a very human experience. And when I'll speak for myself, I'd love to hear your take too. But like when we say we're sending positivity into the universe, we're sending truth, we're sending connection, we're sending presence. And, and, and that like, like recently, I mean, I, a dear friend of mine just passed from cancer and, you know, it's been a, it's been a heartbreaking experience being around it. And the most honorable thing I can do every day is grieve it is to feel it, is to be in it, is to not forget the lessons and not forget the gifts that are here in this moment. And I've always felt like my emotions are my greatest teachers. And back to what you sort of teach, like this conscious response to life, we can choose to respond 
in a beautiful way that still honors the truth of the present moment, the, the truth of our feelings and what's here in the now. And I, I'm just so glad you brought up the toxic positivity because it, yeah, I, I'm just, I'd love to just hear your take on kind of what I just shared. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, look, <laughs> the pandemic happened and a lot of people put out shingles to be coaches and people, consultants, whatever. I, I've been doing this work for 32 years. And I'm not perfect. I'm by no means perfect. There are a lot of people who make way more money than me, way more impact than me, way more influence than me. But what I know as me as a human is that if I fake it, if I try to talk to the universe, like, I'm so happy. The universe does not hear my fake happy. My universe hears my underneath it and throws me back a shitball. So I got to do the work to actually make this happen. So I call this the zero balanced body. What I mean by this is if you put your palms, your hands together, like you're in a prayer. The idea is that if one of your hands is negatively charged and one of your hands is positively charged, they go together like a magnet. And when we take that positive energy and we pull it away from the magnet and we start putting positive energy into the world, the only thing that we can attract back into our life is positive energy to bring our hand back in and boom, bring us back into balance. The opposite is also true. We give out negative, we get back negative. It sounds super simple, but the thing is the universe knows, energy knows, physics is my, ultimately my version of God is physics. It knows yeah. when you're faking putting out positive, it knows it's really negative. Well, emotions are nothing but energy in motion, right? right? So like if you're talking energy, like, your feelings have the truth. That is your true energy. And that's why it's important to honor what is. And if you're afraid to feel, that is your work. That is your path. That is the North Star. It's to give yourself the space, the courage, the container to allow those feeling states to exist as they are and trust that those feeling states are showing up for a reason. They are the medicine of the moment. They are the thing that will lead you to the path that is perfect for you. And I'm reminded consistently again and again and again, how important it is to develop that trust with yourself that what's showing up is okay. Yeah. And it's for you. You're supposed to learn from it, whether it's a death or an illness or getting fired from your job. Like there is, it happens. So you may learn. One of my favorite movies ever is The Adjustment Bureau. Are you familiar with this movie? Mm-mm, never seen oh, it. Oh, you have to go watch it tonight. Yeah. Okay. All It'll right. change your life. It, it, then we'll have another conversation. Like, All I feel right, like I don't want to give any of it away. So go watch The Adjustment Bureau. We'll do it again. But what I want to say about this is that when I learned to completely embody the dance between the masculine and the feminine energy, my life started to shift. So in my company, which is called Dare Human, I have this thing I call the Dare Human Diamond. And it is the four archetypes that I believe you need to step into to be a force for good in the world, to change the world. The base is called the alchemist. This is the one who knows him or herself. The one who does the emotional intelligence work, the personal power work, the incredibly courageous communication work. Then we have, and this is, that is all feminine energy, right? All of that self-knowledge is feminine energy. Well, most men in Western society are very afraid to tap into that because they've been trained. Don't cry. You're a sissy if you cry, right? All of this toxic 
masculine crap that's been floating around for decades and millennia. Another archetype in the Dear Human Diamond is called the artist. And this is the one that's the problem solver, the innovator, the creator, the one who lives with purpose and passion and understands that this world is here for us to contribute our creativity to. Again, a very feminine energy way of being. But then there's another archetype called the accelerator. And this is the one who knows how to get shit done and make money because we need both to take who we are and what we dream and purpose about into the world. You actually know how to need to know the dance of the masculine and the feminine to bring it to life. And then the top of the diamond is the activist. This is the one who goes out and actually brings their brilliance to the world to help make the world better. And so we need to learn the dance of these different energies and know when it's okay to be in the creativity of the being, the feminine energy, and in the leaning in doing of the masculine energy. Like when Sheryl Sandberg wrote the, who's the CEO of Facebook, wrote the book Lean In, I literally wanted to come out next, the next week and write a book called Lean Back. Because women leaning in is women stepping into the masculine paradigm and not actually being in the gorgeous creativeness of who they were born to be. You're awesome. I just love... <laughs> You so I had a feeling we were going to have an amazing conversation, and I didn't know where the hell we were going to go. And I'm just so glad we went in all the circles we did and ended up right there because <laughs> it's so important for. And I just love that last piece, like like women not playing a man's game. It's actually elevating to the divine feminine, which is its own brilliance and it's its own game it's not like they're both brilliant the divine masculine and divine feminine are both brilliant in their own rights and it is honoring the divinity in it and not shrinking it down so that you can play another game and i i just so appreciate that message because it's not something that's commonly talked about and i i just really honor that so suzanne i'd love to maybe how can people be a part of dare like i i actually just I know you do a million things and I heard you talk about a masterclass and a community that you run. And so like, what's the best way for anybody who's listening to this podcast to just take the next step if they wanted to follow in your path? Yeah, well, thank you for that offer. Um, so the best way to find me where I'm most active is on Facebook. I have a community called Dare Human. So all you do is type into the search bar the word Dare Human, one word. And um, you'll find me, join the group, come in. We do free programming on a regular basis. We do paid programming too. Every Wednesday, I do a show called ITK. It stands for In the Know. Most people who are in the world today are not interested in following the news or participating in what's going on in the world. I summarize the news once a week from all the different perspectives. And I give a through of how this is affecting humanity. Um, I do a thing called the Dare Human Dialogues, which I'd love to invite you to be on, Raj. Um, where I bring in people who are serving the world in their own unique way and expose my audience to them so they can figure out how they want to serve the world. So that Dear Human community is really potent and powerful. I'm on Instagram at follow Suzanne. I'm kind of at follow Suzanne everywhere, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, all the different places. So those are the best ways to get in touch with me. You are lovely. Thank you for just shining your brilliance the way you 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 are and have and continue to do. I have one last question for you. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you're going and everywhere you've been, how do you stay grounded? I don't always. I think it's the first fair answer, but I have touchstones. Um, I have a group of 
four very close friends of mine. And when I'm off kilter, if I'm off kilter, I know I can reach out to any one of them. I'm a words of affirmation person. That's my love language. So knowing that I have people who can call who can just like feed me some good words, I have no problem saying to them, I'm in need right now. So I can get regrounded. Sometimes we can't do it ourselves. We want to get to the point where we can always at least calm ourselves, but we can't always get ourselves fully back. And that's what community is for. I do a lot of Pilates. That grounds me. I meditate, though I'm not great at it. But when I do guided meditations, I'm amazing at it. So I listen to guided meditations. I journal not consistently. Like I don't do anything consistently. It's not my style. I'm a four on the Enneagram. I need to go off and be doing my own thing all the time. But I think just knowing, knowing what it took, I'm going to (laughs) cry, knowing what it took to go from who I was born, what I was born into, and upgrading and up-leveling myself from Suzanne 2.0, 3.4, all the way up to where I am today, anchoring in, in all of that growth lets me take a dip, but still know that I'm still growing. It's like the stock market, right? It's always trending up. It's, but sometimes there's downs. So I, I have faith. I believe that's true. You're awesome. I, I just, I can feel, I can feel you. And I, I really appreciate, just I appreciate your presence. I appreciate your authenticity appreciate your mind your heart and i'm just excited to continue getting to know you better but everyone that's a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded i'm your host raj this is your new friend suzanne and from us stay grounded we'll chat soon thanks for joining us today on this episode of stay grounded i hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life for more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.